You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We join the podcast already in progress. And Amazon, you know, they, they've done a really amazing kind of PR thing because they have taken warehouse logistics jobs, which have historically been uh, unionized, middle-class jobs that anybody can come in and support a family on a single income. Even in the same area, other smaller regional houses, regional warehouses that are represented by the same union that those workers at Amazon wanted to join, the RWDSU, the Retail Wholesale and Department Store Union, their base wages at these smaller regional warehouses, are they start at $21 an hour with health care, with retirement packages. And, and, you know, the CEOs of these regional warehouses are not making millions and billions of dollars a year. And uh, they are not; uh, their prices are not worse than Amazon's. And, and for another example, you know, look at what Amazon drivers in California are making. The average wage for a uh, driver in California for Amazon is sixteen forty-two. The average wage for a UPS driver in California is forty-two dollars an hour. And uh, the UPS prices are not—they're <laughs> not any more than Amazon prices. And but. What's happening with Amazon is that uh, people are being squeezed far more than they are for these other legacy companies, and uh, you know it, it, it's really hurting the workers at the expense of uh, you know of the people at the top of, of Bezos and the other executives. All right, but then if if you if I'm just just the average person out there listening to this, you know I'm, I don't necessarily have a dog in the race in that I don't work at Amazon. I don't even work at UPS, and that sounded really good now. I kind of want to think about that, but I don't work at Amazon, so I'm not losing money personally, but as the consumer, as the person who uses that service, aren't you jacking up my cost? So am I? are you likely as a unionizer to get support from the customers who use the services of the business where you're trying to form the unions. Right. Man, that's a, that's a good question. I wanted to address that, and I'm glad you brought it back up again because it had slipped my mind. And the, the answer to that is, generally speaking, uh, no or not very much. There have, been, uh, there have been studies that would look at what it would take for McDonald's to, um, to increase their minimum wage to $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. And if they pass the entire cost of that, of that wage increase onto the customer, you would be looking at a 4% price increase, which is not very much. And from uh, from looking at historically what happens when uh, when employers raise wages, whether that be in response to, uh, to unionization campaigns or minimum wage laws, that's not actually what happens. 100% of the cost is not passed on to the customer. It's usually uh, some part of both. Um, and then if we want to look at modern-day examples, in other countries, uh, in Denmark, uh, McDonald's workers are unionized, mm-hmm. and the prices are basically the same. Uh, they're a little bit more expensive, but not any, not more than like ten percent 
more, and and a lot of that is is to do with the, the, the higher cost of living generally in Denmark. But what do McDonald's workers get? They get twenty two dollars an hour, six week of, six weeks of paid leave every year, health insurance, and a retirement. You can't compare the United States. Those people over there got a whole different world. That they got a whole different way of looking at life. They actually value their teachers. Teachers make money over there and are revered. You know. <laughs> But I mean that's you know that is and it's and it's happened uh, in this country when we had a higher at one point you know um, we had a union density rate which means like the percent of the population that is that are members of unions of thirty three percent in this country and that was when wages were tracking with productivity wages were uh, tracking with you know increased GDP but since then uh, and since you know business. And you know, bosses have really gotten a uh, you know uh, 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 an organized assault on unions and organized labor. Um, we have seen a decline in union membership, and I think as a result, we've seen a stagnation of wages. Productivity has continued to rise mm-hmm. by a whole lot, mm-hmm. and our wages have been basically the same since the seventies. But whose wages has not been the same? The CEOs. The mm-hmm. CEO to worker pay ratio mm-hmm. in 1960 was 25 to 1. The average CEO mm-hmm. made 25 times what their average worker made. So the average CEO made $50 every time I made $2. Every time. Doesn't make sense. But, but, but here's a question. The average CEO makes 350 times more than their median right. worker. But hold on, hold on, hold on, because we were times more for the business. We were convinced. We were convinced way back when Reagan was in office. We were convinced that there was this thing called trickle down. I mentioned it earlier. Right. Now it's time to delve. It's time to delve into that, because to hear Trump and his crazy self say it, we are actually going to make more money when we support the 1% because the 1% are the quote-unquote job creators. That was a word they used. They've done a very good job of marketing themselves. They've done a very good job of selling us the Kool-Aid that we're drinking that's poisoning us. They are doing a good job, and that's why I'm glad y'all are on the show with me today so that we can try to even the, balance it a little bit and give them the give our listeners the true story. It's why you're needed, so thank you for doing it. But for those folks who say, well, no, they're the job creators. They're trickling it down. You want them to, to make money because otherwise they wouldn't provide jobs for you know our everyday workers. Without them, <laughs> the world would stop hear them tell it <laughs> right all right <laughs> well so i i would for for people that that would say this to me i would ask them um and to to envision a world where your boss stops coming to work <laughs> we wouldn't miss my boss okay i'm sorry well i'm the boss here but we, we, we i i've I worked honestly i worked at a company i worked at a fortune 500 company all right and i remember one day a guy called and you know he was one of those kind of entitled kind of cats and he called and he wanted what he wanted and he wanted it right then okay and so you know i was kind of the you know crisis resolution person over there and tori 
can you help this? He's getting mean to me. He's mean. So I pick up, or finally, I, I made him wait a little extra because he was being a jerk. But I picked up, and I said, okay, what can I do for you? And he was like, well, I need X, Y, Z, and I need it now. And I was like, well, no, you want it now. You don't need it now. <laughs> you, you want it now. But, you know, one thing led to another, and I said, uh, and he, he told me all about all he owned and all of that, and, and basically just tried to pull rank. And I said, how nice for you. <laughs> you can't have it now. You can have it when, when I'm ready to give it to you and, and not before. And so then he, he, he basically threatened me. He said, I mm-hmm. know your boss and called her name. And I said, well, that's just, that's really, I, I'm, you're so lucky. <laughs> She's not here. <laughs> I'll be more than happy to put you into her voicemail and you can wait for her to give you the help that you, right. that you feel that you deserve. And he, I said, is that what you want to do? I don't know when she'll check it. <laughs> And he said, and he said, I guess I'll just wait for you. I said, that's your other option. (laughs) And I actually made him wait longer just because he was such a twerp. But, but you know what? The next day, the next day, because I think that what what it is is we've allowed these folks to feel that they are, uh, you know, God, (laughs) that they are, that we that 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 we owe them our allegiance, that we should kiss their ring, that we bow down to them. I think that's what that's our fault for allowing them to feel that they are oh so special, that they are entitled to this kind of behavior. But this guy. you know what? what here's the craziest thing. This guy, when I didn't give him what he wanted when he wanted it, and I said, you can't always have what you want when you want it. This is the real world here. He sent me roses the next day. <laughs> so he was like, nobody's ever talked to me like that before. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Dang. Right. But I think that that's our responsibility, and I think that's kind of what you guys do. You kind of give you a reality check for some of these folks. I think I, I sure hope I, I sure hope that we can be because you know the the, the uh, you know the, I saw a segment the other day you were talking about the, the bosses feeling entitled people you know the the uh, a lot of people in the media um, want to they want us to believe that the workers are entitled but in, in reality uh, what we often see is that bosses feel entitled to people's labor bosses feel entitled to have workers creating profit for them that they don't have have to work for, mm-hmm. and I saw a segment on Fox News the other day uh, that that uh, where the former Secretary of Labor uh, under the Trump administration, Elaine Chao, mm-hmm. said that it, it is every it is people's patriotic duty to take up a shift at their local Wendy's or something. And I'm like, screw that! You know, Hold on. So wait, 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 wait. Alongside Elaine, you mean? Or even more interestingly, alongside her husband? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah, I mean, like, look, if you want to take up a shift at the local Wendy's, then you go right. get Elaine Chow or right. uh, Mitch McConnell. Well, right. You, know, you do that. But, you know, I mean, when I was... All right, so wait, wait, wait. I want to make sure we didn't leave anybody behind. So Elaine Chow is actually married to Mitch McConnell. And y'all, guess what? Mitch McConnell was actually born in Sheffield, Alabama. <laughs> right here. Yes. Uh, you know, we don't need to... We shouldn't claim him, no. He went off to be in Kentucky no. and whatever. But, but, but Mitch McConnell was born here in the Shoals. How sad is that? Mm-hmm. And he has completely it, forgotten gotten who he who who we are and how he should right, be right. but that's a whole nother conversation anyway but he, yeah, I, I, I would encourage people to you know to think about you know when, when you hear people talk about oh the job creators oh we wouldn't have jobs if it weren't for them i would yeah. encourage people to think about what would happen 
if their boss didn't come into work, mm -hmm. stops coming into work, mm -hmm. whether the t business would be able to operate without them. And I think in virtually every instance, it can. I hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you're talking the larger corporations, if you're talking like the small mom mm. and pops like we are here at WZZA, no, the world, right. it would kind of get a little crazy. But I, I think it's important to differentiate because, you know, the, yeah. the, well, the, the, the smaller businesses, mm -hmm. and so I, you know, like I said, I worked at a restaurant for three years, mm -hmm. and the big owner, uh, the, the guy who owned our restaurant and like 50 others, mm -hmm. I saw him like three times in the three years that I worked there, and so we did run the shop without him. Right, because he probably couldn't cook, he probably wasn't ever going to wash dishes, he's no, not, no. he's not taking out the garbage, so he's not really contributing to the everyday, yeah. Yeah, but but what would happen to any business, even the small mom and pop shops? Mm -hmm. uh, any business, if all of the workers didn't show up the next day, the business would fall apart. Any business that requires more than one or two people, you have to have workers there. Mm -hmm. You don't actually have to have a boss. You can have it be uh, run by the people that work there. Uh, you know the the and so. The you know the the job creator it, the the job creators are actually the workers who consume the products and who do the work. Mm -hmm. In most cases, in, uh, I, I would argue uh, that the boss is really not much more than a middleman. Um, you know, getting in the way of, of uh, you know production and consumption. All right, again, people, he's talking about those larger businesses, not the smaller businesses. <laughs> what he's talking about because most of the time, in the smaller businesses, we're rolling up our sleeves. I want, but I want to. I, wa I think it's important though that you point this out because we have in every industry across the board and I don't even care if it's farming we got gentlemen farmers who have never grown anything whether it be in, in creating you know building bridges or what you got these people who are not the people who actually know how to run the shop and so but they're the ones who are making the money but how do we turn that around because they're the ones who have the resources to buy the building that that shop is housed in right so yeah, I mean so it's, it's kind of a you know you got to have them you know they're the ones with, with, with the with the resources they have the money so how do, how can we though make it more equitable for the workers how can we other than unions how can we get the bosses to hear what it is that we're saying well i mean other than unions i don't think there is a way gonna have <laughs> well, I, I really, I, and you know, look, I'm a member of a union, so I'm, I, and and I, I really believe in the, in the power of the labor movement. Right. So I'm, a, I'm obviously a bit biased, but I think when we're talking about unions, uh, when we're talking about working people and how to make life more fair for them, them, then really the best way is going to be for people on the shop floor uh, to organize a union. Because right. you know, let's let's think about. Um, the Affordable Care Act. One of the things that it did was it made full-time employees. If you if you were a full-time employee of a company with more than 50 workers or something, mm -hmm. that was defined as 32 hours. Uh, they had to um, make help, uh, give health care to the to workers that fall under those conditions. And so, what did we see as a result of that? We saw a lot of workers get work 31 hours a week instead mm -hmm. of 32, and so they're not full-time anymore. And so mm -hmm. they were able to just skirt around. This regulation that the government makes. Mm -hmm. If they had instead, if the workers had instead come together themselves and told the boss, say, hey, look, we need health care and your business can't run without us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
Give us health care. All right. But you know what? And that's happened. It's going to be a totally different thing. It's happened over and over again. I remember years and years ago when Sears, Sears Roebuck, uh, they decided they didn't want to hire full-timers anymore. So they hired a bunch of part-timers so they didn't have to pay them uh, benefits, basically. You know, so it, it happens over and over again. But... On the flip side of that, you've got workers who are scared to death. They can't afford to lose their job. You know, it sounds great, you know, oh, rah, rah, union, but you guys are putting my life, in my livelihood in jeopardy. These people are threatening to fire me if I don't come to work. So while on the one hand I want to support this whole idea of a union, on the other hand, I am afraid to take that chance. I got mouths to feed. I've got rent to pay. I've got groceries to buy. How can I take the chance that your union organizing will be successful and that you will actually be able to advocate on my behalf? That is that that is that is a very important thing, and you know, um, no good organizer is going to tell you that there are no risks involved in organizing on the job. Um, you know, of course, your right to form a union is federally protected. It is illegal under federal law to fire somebody for union activity. And I know people that have won cases at the National Labor Relations Board and been reinstated uh, and been given back wages. But that process takes a long time. And while the process is working out, you still have mouths to feed. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, uh, you are going to – and, and, and it's not about – uh, the union advocating on your behalf, so, uh, so to speak, it's about uh, the people at the workplace coming together and advocating on their own behalf and uh, advocating for themselves. And so instead of coming, uh, coming out right away as one or two or three people at a 100, 200, 300 person shop and saying, we want to form a union, you've really got to keep it on the down level for a while. Right, like, right. You, you don't want your boss finding out mm -hmm. until you have a majority of the, uh, a majority support in the workplace. Uh, because if your boss finds out while your organizing committee is small... In a, in a state like Alabama where it's, you know, yeah. the, the employer can make the decision to fire you for any right. reason at all, other than you know, as long as you're not a protected class. Exactly. Hey, yeah. But if you don't have, if you don't have majority support, and this is this is the reason that unions are powerful, because once you get a large section of the workforce in a workplace that says we are a union, you can't fire them all, you, and especially not in a labor market like we've got today, where people are already having difficulty firing, uh, finding new people to work mm -hmm. at their businesses. Mm -hmm. If you come to your boss tomorrow and say we've got 80, 90, 100% of the people that work here saying we're a union, now mm -hmm. bargain with us, mm -hmm. they're going to have to bargain with you. They're so basically you're telling me the pandemic is actually helpful to unionizing. This is the time. Well, if, it, if ever there's a time, now's the time. Exactly, because I mean, our uh, in Alabama, our unemployment rate is now basically the same as it was before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but the difference is that we have had in the interim a lot of people retire early, and so there are a lot of jobs that are going unfulfilled. And and you know, I mean, there you know, everybody knows this. There, there's a lot of places that that are short staffed that need people on board, and and that frankly don't pay their workers 
cares enough. So if you're, you know, if you're listening right now and, and you're like, I'm being taken taken advantage of, uh, your coworkers think that too. And maybe you should have a conversation with them about like uh, about the issues that y'all are having at work, and maybe about organizing to uh, to get some, to get more of the value that you're creating because the value that your business produces comes from the people that are actually doing the work. And so if you're doing the work, uh, you're probably not getting <laughs> everything that you're producing. And if you come together uh, and, and unionize, you're going to be able to, uh, you're going to be able to get more of that value back in your pocket to help feed your family instead of some CEO in New York or a hedge fund in New York. All right. So you know what? Just in case somebody's just tuning in, maybe they got off work a few minutes ago and they're like, what in the world are we talking about here? This is the Valley labor report and this is jacob martin and we've got adam kelly and they are on the line explaining why it's important for you to know what your rights are and who is out there fighting for you and and it's really important to to just every once in a while just say here is what unions do for you here are the Mm -hmm. people that we are made up of and we are advocating for ourselves but you know i hear you saying that but on the other hand how do you know how do you locate how do you identify that Norma Ray chick <laughs> how do you find that person who's willing to put her livelihood on the line to convince her co-workers we don't have to take it anymore we can actually stand mm-hmm. up for ourselves because most people actually kind of go with the flow most people are more mm, you know they're, they're, they're not the ones who are going to uh, who are going to be the 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 warriors that most people are just going to they were going to be content to ride on the back of the bus until you know rosa said wait a minute <laughs> so how do you how do you how do you identify the people that you can talk to in a particular in a, in a particular company the normal ray the, the 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 guy that was down there at amazon how do you find those people and then encourage them to help spread the word how do you get the word out especially if you've got to be would you use you know kind of on the down low how do you get the word out then right. to uh, workers who need you the most who need unionizing the most well so the thing that uh, that, that you're going to want to do if you're um, thinking about forming a union in your workplace is you want to form uh, an organizing committee and the way that you do that is you just get to know your coworkers better um, okay. and, and that, you know so many people especially as we are you know we've been working remotely a lot of us have over the pandemic and mm-hmm. we have become more atomized and you know separated uh, than, than we were before mm-hmm. and so the first step to really creating a strong union is just getting to know your coworkers like really no string you know like uh, ask you know ask the guy that sits in the cube next to you like hey man uh, let's go get some coffee after work and talk about work you know I, I haven't actually had a conversation with you as a human and talk to them about their life get to know the things uh, that they do outside of work what are they hampered from outside of work by work do they work too much do they want to spend more time with their kids do they want to be able to buy a trampoline for their kids but they don't make enough money you know you want to like understand them as people because that that human connection is going to be the uh, that is going to be the the, 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 the seed 
that a strong organizing committee and then a strong union can form can come out of. And so once you've gotten to know somebody uh, a little bit better and, and you feel comfortable that, hey, you know, this person isn't going to go rat on me to the boss. This, uh, this person isn't going to go turn around and try to throw us under the bus. This person is going to be a team player. Then maybe you t- ask them, like, hey, have you ever thought about trying to do something at work to make our lives better? People have done it all over uh, all over the country and all over the world. Um, and, you know, I think we could do it here. What do you think about that? And then uh, you're going to get two people on your committee. You're going to get three people on your committee. And before you know it, uh, you're going to have uh, a real big committee and you can reach out to a local union that you feel like would best uh, help you represent yourselves. And they will help you plan further uh, the campaign to potentially getting a vote and then bargaining your first contract, uh, which is going to, um, in all likelihood, include uh, lots of good things for the workers in that in that workplace, like wage gains, uh, better insurance, or health insurance if you never had it, retirement plans, things like that. I'm all right, well, hold on. So, so now I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate because now I'm the, I'm the company owner. And you know, I, I I think I'm being fair to my workers. You know, I I I, I but I got to be they got to be reasonable. And I think these union folks, I think they're being unreasonable. They're asking for more than I can actually give them. You've now increased the cost of business for me, the cost of doing business for me. Now I'm going to have to let some people go just to meet the demands of these folks who are coming in asking for you know additional wages or or certain benefits or whatever. It costs me to provide these things, and I. I can't always pass along that added cost to my end user, my, to my customer. So, you know, you've now made it impossible for me to even stay in business. So now I got to go to a third world country. And it's all your fault. <laughs> right. Well, so the uh, you know the, lots of places uh, put forward that argument, and there was one. Th- there was a, a campaign at an environmental group. So mm-hmm. there's this environmental nonprofit, uh, and their staff felt like they were being taken advantage of and, and not treated well, right? And so they unionized, and this nonprofit group that you know advocates for um, you know environmental issues in Appalachia, they said exactly what you said. We don't have the funds for it. We are a small operation. We can't afford this. You're asking for too much, blah, 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 blah. And uh, they said, well, okay, show us your books. Show us that you can't actually do that. And would you believe they never actually showed them the books? <laughs> you know, so a lot of times, frankly, it's just a lie mm-hmm. uh, that the boss is telling you because they want to continue making, uh, you know, millions of dollars a year or hundreds of times more than you make. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but there are times, maybe, let's say that there are times where the boss is not making incredibly more than the workers and the business is operating on a shoestring budget. Maybe let's say that's the case. Then the workers should have a say in uh, the, like the, the the boss should show the workers the books and say, look, these are our numbers. We literally can't afford anything. But the workers, uh, by virtue of the fact that they do the work that the company provides for the customers, they should have an input on how it runs, how people are paid, and and the 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 things that the business spends money on, um, because I think that's fair and I think that that's uh, uh, democratic. And if if they can't increase the way 
wages, then that's fine. And and most workers, especially if they believe in the mission of the workplace that they're at, they will accept that. But most workers just want to have a voice, even if they can't necessarily get wage increases or things like that. All right. So you know, I'm, I'm going to actually say that there, there are going to be arguments on both sides of that. Because on the one hand, I'm to say, well, the workers should be able to decide what how money is spent. I don't know if I agree with that, but I do think that the workers may be able to say, I can be part of the solution here. I can show you how we can save some money, boss. If we could save money by doing this more efficiently, then you, can we have the, 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 the profits that you realize by making this particular change? That makes sense. That's something that you could probably argue successfully. I, I really want to ask you, and I know we don't have a whole, whole lot of time here, but I really want to ask you about, you know, immigration and how does this impact you know because you've got you know when when alabama did what it did you know you lost a lot of workers you know were people out there going all right i'm scared to be out here my name is paco i can't pick you know whatever the i can't pick soybeans or beans or or potatoes or tomatoes anymore because i'm scared because they may come and and deport me so now you've got workers you've got farmers for example who did not have workers out there you've got companies that are not able to unload trucks or barges or whatever because there aren't workers out there can the unions be because now I'm, I'm, I'm on the flip side of this I'm, I'm trying to sell the idea of unions not just to workers or not just to the employees but to the employers can the unions be part of the solution there we've got you know we've got a, an interruption in our supply chain due to this pandemic or at least that's what everybody's blaming it on and you I've, I've, I was talking to a friend of mine today you know the, the products coming originally from Germany it comes over here there is nowhere you know they get it to they don't know when they're going to get it to the docks and when they get it to the docks they don't know when it's going to get actually unloaded because they don't have enough workers can the union say wait we know that you are short staffed right now we can help we've got we've got guys out here who need the work who are willing to come in and get the work done and to do it at a reasonable price you got stores out here thinking i'm not going to have anything on my shelves to sell for christmas holidays can the unions be part of the solution there uh, I definitely think that uh, that they could be. So, you know, uh, you mentioned, you know, being able to provide labor uh, in, in certain instances. And mm-hmm. the trade unions in, in your area, like the iron workers and the electrical workers, they do stuff like that um, all the time. They provide labor on the iron workers have provided labor on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the labor that they provide is extremely well trained and things like that. And uh, you mentioned mentioned something about being uh, the workers having ideas about making processes more uh, efficient. efficient. I yeah. have been reading. Yeah, I've been reading a history of the Longshoremen's Union, mm-hmm. and uh, the local out of San Francisco was able to like. I think he multiplied by five the number of boxes they were able to get in and out of a port in an hour mm-hmm. by doing something and they trans and, and they uh, replicated that at all the ports along the west coast and that was something that came out of the union that wasn't an idea from the boss right because, you know union like the people right, so now, now what you're doing now you're, what you're doing is you're making the employer say you know what unions aren't all bad mm-hmm. unions might actually well, and, save and me some money UPS again right let's look at UPS again FedEx is 
is a non-union company. They mm-hmm. do the exact same thing that UPS does, and mm-hmm. they do a similar as far as the service they provide. But they do a similar thing to Amazon in that their wages and benefits are paltry. Mm-hmm. Well, FedEx in this environment, uh, they have they are having a lot of trouble uh, uh, staying afloat and actually making deliveries on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is UPS having that problem? No. There was an article in Bloomberg about this, in fact, that UPS has lost virtually no workers over the course of the pandemic, um, and FedEx has lost a lot, and they are they are constantly late on their deliveries, and UPS's uh, on-time delivery has not fallen since the pandemic began. And the reason for that is because the workers don't want to leave. They've got it really good. The jobs are good. The job is good. The benefits are good. The pay is good. Mm-hmm. Why would they want to go anywhere else? But mm-hmm. these FedEx employees who make, you know, $15, $20 an hour, you can those kind of jobs are a dime a dozen. And uh, so they went to one of the other dozen jobs that offered those rates or maybe got something better over the course of the pandemic. While the UPS employees have stayed put because their employer, because they have made their employers take care of them. Okay. All right. So now I'm, I've got to know about future valid labor reports. I, I've got to know because I know that we, you, we're going to be airing uh, what you guys have already recorded, you know, because you guys do a live show, and then we're going to we're going to capture that, and we're going to be able to to share it every Tuesday. But, there, but there's going to be time when I'm going to want to ask you questions. I'm going to want to know, unless you know, mm-hmm. you, because we've already missed. What, how long have you been you've been doing it in 18 months? Is that what you said? How long has yeah, been a year and a half? Okay, so well, there's some things we probably missed. And there's some things that I want us, our listeners to know about. And then I want to be able to ask you about NAFTA and CAFTA and all that kind of stuff and how we should feel about it. I, want to, mm-hmm. I, I got questions, man. So I want, to, I want to talk to you at least, I don't know, once a month. Can we do a live show maybe once a month just, to, just so I can ask you what's going on in the news? I hear about something. I just uh, read an article about uh, President Biden being over with these other countries and they've de- uh, these other nations, and they've decided that it would no longer be a race to the bottom. It's going to be a race that they're going to p- make there be certain minimum Amounts that are paid, uh, you know, in, instead of um, instead of the uh, CEOs, these, these, you know, the the, uh, the company owners making all getting all these tax breaks or whatever that they are going to have to pay a certain amount of taxes. So there's some some things are evolving every every week. There's something new going on. You know, we just had major legislation passed. How does that impact your, the uh, unions? How does how how is that going to work? for the unions. There are questions that I'm going to want to know the answers to. So I want to know if I can talk with you guys at least once a, once a month. Can I do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I put you on the spot. I asked you in front of God and everybody. I didn't ask you offline. I asked you in front of everybody. But I, but I'm, I, want to, I want to know that. I'm sure that we'll be able to, to, to do something uh, uh, once a month. I, I think that that would be great. And, you know, for future uh, for, for future iterations of the show, I mean, we, we've got some really good stuff planned. And we've got stuff. Uh, we also put the show up on YouTube and as a podcast. So anything that, that folks may be interested in that they want to go check out, they can look. At so they can go back. They can go back and see past shows. Okay. And, you know, yeah, and we're going to be talking to some of the mine workers that are on strike. We have talked to some of the mine workers that are on strike. We want to talk to the iron workers about that infrastructure bill that mm-hmm. just passed. Yeah, that's uh, what I was talking about. do for our community. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the interviews that I really enjoyed being able to do was talk to this University of Washington researcher about what union membership did to racial resentment among uh, white workers, which was it made them less racist being a member of a union, which was really cool. I hmm. want to 
talk, uh, we'll be talking about the history of uh, unions and the civil rights movement. Not a lot of people know that the UAW, the United Auto Workers, paid for uh, transportation to the uh, uh, the March on Washington with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters provided that transportation mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the Martin Luther King Jr. The last speech that he gave before he died was at a sanitation worker strike in Memphis. Right. And the history of racial justice and economic justice is completely intertwined. We're going to be talking about that. We have talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and All right. So now you you now you you whetted our you whetted our appetite. How do we go back and find what we've missed? Where do I find that on YouTube? Where do I find that online? Where do I find that? We are on YouTube at the Valley Labor Report, mm-hmm. and uh, you can find any of our. We're on like eleven different podcast platforms, and, and you can you can find if we're on your listening platform of choice by going to thevalleylaborreport.org.transistor. Uh, .fm slash subscribe. Okay, okay shit. Okay, so do, do that again. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because we're writing it down, and you know somebody okay. just, just drew, drove down the street, and they're like, wait a minute, I didn't get all that. report dot what? Transistor dot fm slash subscribe. But, I mean, if you've got a podcast platform that you like to go to, you should just be able to search the name of the show and we'll come up. Yeah, I'm thinking that'd probably be the easiest thing to do. I am so glad. <laughs> I was like, okay, well. All right, I am really glad that we're having this conversation. I want to know, I'm, as a woman, I'm going to want to know how, how active women are in your unions. How, how active are they oh, in the Valley Labor Group? we got to talk about that. Did, there was a great interview that we did about teachers in Wisconsin that showed that before the assault on public public sector unions in Wisconsin, there was no gender wage gap among public employees. Mm-hmm. After the after Act 10 that Scott Walker, the Republican governor of Wisconsin, passed that destroyed public sector unions, there emerged an 11% gender wage gap among teachers in Wisconsin, along with a decline in wages of all teachers, male and female, by $10,000 mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, uh, the... I mean, unions are great. They're really good. <laughs> All right, so yay, union. Well, we, and you're selling us on it. We kind of like the idea. You guys need the support of people who are not in unions. You need the support of the of the consumers. You need the support of the little guys who are out there. We need to know what it is that you're standing for, and that you're not just you know hungry for more money that we don't have, you know, and and that these 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 uh, increases that you're demanding are not going to be passed along to us we just we need to know that and we need to all stand together and you know maybe make some of these folks with yachts and islands and offshore accounts pay their fair share and right. so now to, to that end I'm going to ask you about lobbying and whether or not you are actually trying to get some legislation passed to help us get that done but these are future questions I am so grateful that you guys were able to spend some time with us today there it's you know I can keep you a little longer now if you want to stay I can I can keep you I can sure. keep talking alright so well then go ahead and answer that question what about legislation is there going to be any legislation that you're pushing anything that we need to know about because there may be one of those very convoluted written amendments on an upcoming ballot in our midterm elections next year mm-hmm. and and it may be something that you, that you guys have you know proffered do we need to know anything that you're trying to push through the legislature or through congress so uh through the legislature in the next 
uh, session, I, I've not been made aware uh, as of yet. You know, there's still a lot of time before the next session, so I'm sure that we'll find something that we either want to kill, uh, which is probably, we're probably going to find more things that we want to kill than we want to support, uh, to be honest, coming out of this legislature, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, All right, so let's, let's, let's use this show to explain what it means. Like, what will this mean to me? How will this impact my family? How will this affect me? And wait, let me get this in. You're in tune to WZZA, your soul shows. WZZA, Tuscumbia, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. I had to get that legal ID in there. All right, so now, if, if, if you will, anytime there's legislation that we need to be aware of, please make sure that you tell us what it means to us, how it affects us. Would you do that for us? Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely be on that. And we have uh, partners in the SPLC, which is unionized, by the way, mm-hmm. here in Alabama. We've got partners in Alabama Arise uh, and the ACLU who do a great job of tracking legislation. And we have had guests and policy analysts from all of those places on the show before. And we will have guests and policy analysts on the show again talking about legislation, uh, as well as uh, some of the legislative departments from our unions, uh, you know, the unions are, are very active in the legislative process. I have actually been to D.C. Uh, to lobby on behalf of federal employees mm-hmm. for my union, mm-hmm. um, to our Congress, uh, to our congressional uh, representatives. So uh, that's something that we're very active in, and, and we definitely want to. Uh, we will be talking about that on the show as well. Good, because if, if you give it to us in bite-sized pieces, you know, something that we can actually absorb, then maybe we can call our legislators. Maybe we can call our congressmen. Maybe we can say, hey, this is something that's important to us. You do want my vote, right? You know, so maybe maybe right, if you right. can tell us what it is that we should be you know, uh, up in arms about or maybe something we even need to support, let us know so that we can mm-hmm. you know, spread the word in the beauty salons and the barbershops. You know, maybe we can tell others about it too. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. And, I mean, one of the, one of the things to, to be looking at supporting is the, uh, the reconciliation bill, the Build Back Better bill. Uh, the infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure bill has already passed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reconciliation bill is still uh, they're, they're, they still haven't passed that. And that is going to be uh, the, going to be a very big deal as far as um, fixing lead pipes. Well, you know, we got a couple, we got a couple um, of holdouts in the Senate. You know, don't we, can't you just get their home phone numbers that's what we need so we can call them up and say hey i know i know but the i mean the, the child t- uh, the child tax credit is huge for working families uh, mm-hmm. 300 a month for mm-hmm. every child is uh th- that's a big boon for families uh, right, but, but, but the, the pushback though is so high the pushback though is that we can't afford it that it's going to cause a deficit jacob so be able to explain to us why that's not necessarily the case or why there is another way to look at it. Can you do that for us? Can you break it down for yeah, us? Yeah, well, the math. So the, rec- the the reconciliation bill is actually paid for by uh, you know the, there are taxes that are levied on the um, on you know the the one percent so to speak uh, in corporate taxes. But the um, but but we can look at what the reconciliation bill would cost over ten years, and then we can look at what the Pentagon budget. It would cost over 10 years. And mm-hmm. <laughs> the Pentagon budget is like more than twice as much mm-hmm. as what the reconciliation bill uh, costs. And then we, then we could look at the cost of what would happen if it doesn't pass. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, you really can't put a price on, like, yes. how much damage it does. Right. Have, right. You know, children go to bed hungry. Right. Uh, which, yeah, the, the, 
over the course of the pandemic, we have literally cut child poverty in half. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is astounding, and that's been from the stimulus payments and the child tax credits. And to be able to make uh, the child tax credit permanent Mm -hmm. is going to really help so many working families. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and and frankly, if if we can afford to make it so that uh, Jeff Bezos doesn't have to pay any taxes, I think that we can we can give a little working family. You know, and I, and honestly, there there's some long-term um, benefits to that because if you if you can cut child poverty, then you're going to end up increasing uh, economic. Uh, con- well, you're going to increase the number of contributors to the economy. So that means you're going to actually end up making money for our nation. Right. That's what you're going to end up doing. Exactly. Uh, there is so much more that we need to be talking about. I am so glad that we had a chance to get our feet wet here. We're looking forward to having you next Tuesday. Uh, for those people who want to catch what you've missed so far, Valley Labor Report. You can you can go back and, and you know get to know him, get to know them both. Uh, you've got uh, the first guy, David Story, and then you know he was replaced by this really cool cat, Adam Keller, and you got Jacob, who's just so energetic. And we're going to be learning more about them as time goes on. But we're certainly going to be learning what the what what we need to know as workers, what we need to know as supporters of our workers. So thank you. Thank you guys for being a part of our program. Thank you for joining with WZZA to share information. Thank you for explaining to people why they need to join and support unions. We're going to get a little bit more into the weeds in future. You're going to break it down. What kind of unions are there? What's the difference between this union and that union? All that kind of thing. Do all the unions get along with each other? Do you all like each other? Are you all like friends? (laughs) Do you compete? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we got a lot of of ground to cover. Thank you so much for, for starting this with us. Thank you so much for partnering with WZZA Radio. All right. Appreciate it, Tori. All right. Well, I mean, you have a chance to say any any last words if you have any. Adam, you still there? Uh, I think we lost Adam like a while ago. Did we? (laughs) Yeah, his connection cut out. Oh, no. Okay. I'm verbose enough for the both of us. Yeah. You know what? You're you're good at this. So thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing. All right. You have been listening to both Adam and Jacob, and we are going to be hearing more of them as we go forward every Tuesday from 5 until 6, except for today when we went a little bit over. I want to thank you all for listening to WZZA, Tuscumbia Muscle Shoals, Alabama.